With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Hello and welcome to the MMQB NFL Monday Morning Podcast. I am your host, Gary Gramling. We uh, have lots more free agency to get through. We got through some of it last week, but really not the bulk of it. We're going to go through some of the big stories here. Uh, I am going to bring on a very special guest to join me, and I'm going to bring him in right now. Andy Benoit, welcome back to the show. How are you? Gary, hey, I'm well. How are you, Gary? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Yeah, we we made it through the week. it's a, a silly week for a lot of reasons. Uh, but, yeah, the NFL just, they pushed forward this thing. A uh, new league year came, and they just uh, sort of hit the gas and, I don't know, gave, gave everyone something of a distraction here, I, I guess, in the end. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I, I enjoy I enjoyed it, to be quite honest with you. It was. It, it, it felt, uh, I, I do hope, I do hope people still paid attention to what they're supposed to be doing, like, you know, social distancing and, and, and not going out and licking things and not going out to bars and whatnot. But uh, uh, I hope this didn't distract from that. But uh, it was nice to have it going on during the day, especially for those of, those of us who cover the league for a living. We got to sort of, uh, I don't know, have something to do while we work from home. But um Lots of stuff to go here. We we had plenty last Monday, and then obviously uh, Albert on Wednesday, and uh, and Connor and Jenny on Friday had had some more. But we are going to start this show with a look at the all new, totally different AFC East. Just a complete facelift for like all of these teams here in the AFC East. Uh, up is down, uh, left is right. Hamburgers eating people here in the, in the Northeast. And uh, let's start with with a team that I am quite fond of, and that is the Buffalo Bills. And uh, I know, especially after people saw the DeAndre Hopkins deal, I know people looked at the Stefan Diggs trade and said, like, boy, they gave up a lot. Wow, that's a lot to give up. 
I still love this trade. I, I think Diggs is absolutely a number one receiver. He is a he's one of those guys who's not huge, so you don't think big catch radius, but he does have a huge catch radius. I, I think he's going to be absolutely perfect for Josh Allen in that offense. And if you want to see if Josh Allen can take the next step, this is the kind of guy this offense needed. Well, and I understand why people say, oh, well, you paid a lot for Diggs and the, the Cardinals didn't pay as much for Hopkins. In terms of draft capital, the difference is Diggs' contract compared to what Hopkins is reportedly asking for, Diggs is pretty affordable. He is. I think he's, his cap number is about $12 million a year. If I want to, if I remember, I'll pull it up here. But, he, you know, and Hopkins, I think, is the better player than Diggs. You could probably do a little more schematically with Diggs, though, because he's a more dynamic mover than Hopkins. So when you factor in that his cap hit uh, this season is at $12 million, yep, and next season, this season's 11.5, and then $12 million the next few years, that's a very affordable rate for what I think we both agree is a true number one wide receiver. That's that's I mean that's several million lower than what Hopkins was reportedly wanting. So that's the difference in the trade values for the two. And if I'm Buffalo, I understand why they did it because they really don't have any other needs on offense, Gary. They had their offensive line back from last year, and now that they've re-signed Quentin Spain at guard, Allen is where he is in his development on his rookie deal still. And the the rest of the receiving core is intact. I mean, this was the only thing they they needed at all on offense. Yeah, and and look, I know a lot of people were looking at it and saying, "Hey, why don't they just use that first round pick on a receiver?" Uh, the nice thing about Diggs, along with the relative affordability, is he's pretty much a sure thing. You know what you're getting in him. I, I, I know everyone's really uh, over the moon, I believe is the term, as far as this year's receiving class goes, and, and that's good. And it might be, uh, it might end up being a historically great group. Uh, I always think back to uh, the 2004 group that everyone thought was uh, just going to be incredible. They had, they had what? They had, I, I'm just bringing it up here. They had seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven first round receivers go. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald was one of them, and that's that's fantastic. But uh, then you got Roy Williams. Okay, pretty pretty good career. After that, you got Reggie Williams. You got Lee Evans. Lee Evans had a fine career. But Reggie Williams, Michael Clayton, Michael Jenkins, Rashawn Woods. Uh, those Rashawn guys. Woods. I don't remember Rashawn Woods at all. <laughs> I mean, he was the he was the thirty first overall pick of that draft to the 49ers. Uh, wow. You, you know it, you. We always kind of lose track because everyone gets really into the rookie wage scale and, and, and the low salaries that come with these rookies. But you got to remember, it's it's difficult to project them. Some of these guys will not work out. They will not live up to the billing. Uh, so for the, the bills to sit there in the uh, latter third of the first round and think they're going to get an absolute sure thing, they weren't going to. But in digs, you get pretty much a sure thing at this point. Well, what's also true, and we're going to talk about them, I'm sure, in a minute, is the big bad boys of that division that Buffalo's in. They've never been weaker than they are right now, at least not for anybody in this era, certainly the Sean McDermott era or the the Pagula family era for ownership. The Patriots are, are as vulnerable now as they've ever been. The windows now, and I don't think you can sit there and assume that the Patriots will remain vulnerable. History, I mean, I, we don't know what they'll be without Brady, but your bottom line is you're a playoff team a year ago. The guys ahead of you, the one team ahead of you, is weakened. Your window is right now. Absolutely. No, I, I absolutely love this trade here, and and like you said, Nate, they they have. Uh, they have a bunch of receivers who are nice complementary weapons. None of them are number ones, and that's uh, that's what the issue was last year. But you know, 
John Brown and, and Cole Beasley as your second and third receivers, that's a, that's suddenly a pretty strong group there uh, that they have in Buffalo. Um, and, and both of those guys, by the way, were much more diverse last year than you would have guessed. Beasley is, I mean, he's obviously predominantly a slot receiver, mm-hmm. but he is not just only a slot receiver. They used him in a few different ways. Same with John Brown. Diggs can line up anywhere in the formation. So they, they have three pretty interchangeable quality receiving weapons there. Let's, uh, we will get to the Patriots, but let's go with the Jets first here. They, they, now, everyone knows the Jets had to had to invest in the offensive line, and I know a lot of people there wanted uh, uh, Jack Conklin or some of the other headlining guys, Joe Tooney, who obviously got franchise tagged, uh, Brandon Scherf, another guy who got, a, who got tagged in Washington. Uh, they end up settling for just... It's a lot of guys. These are just a lot of guys. I, I I don't know. I will I will sort of lay this out for you, Andy. Uh, <laughs> they they bring in George Fant from Seattle, uh, who is sort of the swing tackle, sixth lineman in a lot of their uh, in a lot of their sets. Uh, Connor McGovern comes from Denver, and uh, Greg Van Rot. Uh, I almost called him rotten. That's that's not a nice thing to say. Greg Van Roten from uh, Carolina. And and I would imagine, so McGovern surely will start at center. Van Roten, I think you would pencil in at right guard. It depends on what they do with Brian Winters. I think they're going to move on from him. They did re-sign Alex Lewis. Uh, so you might, and now I, I imagine they will also use a first-round pick on one of these tackles. It's it's a very good but very top-heavy tackle class coming in, but I would imagine left to right, you're probably going Fant, Lewis, McGovern, Van Roten, and, and maybe Chuna, uh, Chuma Adoga. Uh, maybe Fant moves to the right side, or there's a competition there if, if they bring in one of these, uh, uh, one of these rookies. I, I, it, it's... Two of the rookies, I think you'd plug in on the left side, two of them on the right side. So it depends who they take. But um, I don't know, Andy. Is this a better group than last year? I, I guess you can't get much worse than last year. Yeah, they struggled last year at times. There's no question about that. It's, um, I mean, it doesn't strike me as a particularly enthralling group, but, you know, you don't need that necessarily along your offensive line. I wonder, with the money they paid George Fant, Gary, I mean, George Fant's getting his cap number this year is 7.25, which is, that's not bad for a left tackle if mm-hmm. that's where you're going to play him. 9.4 cap number next year, no guaranteed money. 10.6 cap number, no guaranteed the year after that. So they basically are, they're going to see if it can work out with Fant, and if it doesn't, it's a one-year deal and he's going to be done. So maybe they will draft a tackle. It's a, that's a lot of money to spend on a guy who's going to be a swing tackle, and he's not going to be your right tackle because Doga's there, and that's what you drafted him to do. So I was just, the, the Fant contract's a little blurry to me. I can't tell if this is a contract mm-hmm. for a guy that they think will be, if they're going to give a fair shot to this season. If they don't do that and they're going to draft someone like you suggested into top-heavy draft for tackles, that's a lot of money they spent on Fant to be what amounts to their number three tackle, unless maybe they feel he can play guard or something. I don't know. Van Roten, to me, is a a plug-and-play type of guy at best, and there's some questions about him. I agree with you about Winters. Overall, it's I mean it's a it's a very average offensive line overall. I'm sure they'd love to have average after uh, after last season. Yeah, I I wonder if there's going to be a Fant Edoga uh, position battle come up, coming up here for the Jets, uh, depending on what they do in in, in the draft here. But uh, well, and and you know I said they drafted him third round last year, but I guess it was 
it was a different GM that did that, wasn't it? That was yeah. the, that was the previous regime. It was not Joe Douglas who came in after the draft as a Jets GM. So the people are not as tied. The people who run the Jets are not as tied to Edoga as his draft status might suggest. Yeah, and look, we've we've mentioned on the show before, but the Jets went seven and six when Sam Darnold was in the lineup last year, and that that included a pretty rocky Week One performance from Darnold, and obviously a couple of rocky performances early on there. But they they finished strong, and they were again they went seven and six when they had their starting quarterback in the lineup, as opposed to Luke Falk. They were six and two in the second half of the season. Just nobody noticed because it was so much drama for one reason or another being directed at Adam Gase. Now it's not a it, to me roster wise, it's not a six and two level type of talent team. I mean they they've got some holes to fill. But your point, I agree with the sentiment overall, which is that things are a lot things have gone better so far in New York than people realize. Well, let's uh, let's go down to Miami here. Miami cleared the books last year, had a uh, bit of a reset season there, and now they're spending. and And they obviously have draft capital as well. But let's talk about what they did on the defensive side of the ball, because obviously they brought in Brian Flores as the head coach, and and you'd think it's something of a defense first approach here. But um, they spent. They they brought guys in. They brought in Byron Jones, Kyle Van Noy, Shaq Lawson, Emmanuel Agba, and Alandon Roberts. Let's uh let's start with Byron Jones, who. Uh, it, it's it, it's almost still a little bit head scratching that the Cowboys were. I, I understand they had other guys to sign, they had other stuff going on, but uh, it just feels like it's been a foregone conclusion for the past like calendar year that the Cowboys just weren't going to try to retain Byron Jones. I think one issue with Byron Jones is he's his values as a man-to-man defender or a matchup defender, which Dallas had him do a lot. But Dallas still, and I don't know what they'll be under Mike Nolan, but in recent years they've been they they've been a lot they've done a lot of zone stuff, and I think they felt Jones was limited at certain things in zone coverage. He really could only play that outside position that he plays. Now Miami's not his own defense; they're a man-to-man defense. And I imagine Jones will travel with the opposing number one receiver or probably the biggest receiver, and Xavier Howard will take the smaller receiver because those guys are both quality corners. So I understand why the Dolphins did this. I agree with you that Dallas didn't it, it didn't feel like they valued Jones. Like if you, you told me I could have Byron Jones or Amari Cooper head to head, which do you want? I think I'm probably taking Byron Jones in that equation, but it never felt like that was much consideration, at least from where we're sitting. It didn't feel like that with Dallas. Yeah, and, and we'll talk about Dallas in a little bit. And we did mention last week how how Dallas look, they have addressed the cornerback position in the draft the last couple of years, and maybe they're they're comfortable with one of those young guys stepping up or or who knows, they might spend another draft pick uh, relatively high on a cornerback this year. But All right, I, I think it'll be that one, Gary, because the guys you're referring to, Chudobia Wouzier, and Jordan Lewis, they're both, I believe, in the final years of their rookie mm-hmm. deal right now. Yep. Uh, Kyle Van Noy, interesting pickup for Miami here. Obviously familiar to Brian Flores. And uh, one of those things where it's just kind of nice to to steal a valuable guy away from a division uh, rival. And, and perhaps this is more <laughs> rivalry than it's been in a long time. Uh, but yeah, they, they get to plug Kyle Van Noy into this defense here. He can do a lot for you. He is very versatile. And what really stood out in the second half of last season, because when you think of Van Noy, you think of that versatility, that almost anything that's important in football that doesn't have a statistic representing it, Van Noy is great at that. He is the ultimate 
read between the lines, do the dirty work type of guy. And I think he can still make plays that show up on paper as well. So in the second half of last season, what really stood out is his pass rushing got a lot better. He has become almost a bendable pass rusher. He's not he's not going to be an edge burner ever, but he he is a he's a smart technician. He's a very patient pass rusher. All those Patriot guys are. He sets up his moves extremely well. So they they have a better pass rusher here than what people realize. If you sign him and you pay him for the versatility, the pass rush is almost a bonus, but they badly needed the pass rush help, Gary, because I think Miami's sub package last year the dime that they played late in the year, they did a 4-1, or actually, no, they did a 1-4 dime, I believe it was. One defensive lineman, four linebackers. It didn't matter what it was. None of those guys could rush the pass. Yeah. They had absolutely no pass rush and, and third down along type situations. Van Noy at least gives them a little bit of help there. And if I'm the Dolphins, I'm telling Shaq Lawson, hey, pay close attention to Van Noy because your only chance to be a, a great player in this league or be even, you wouldn't say this to him, but your chance to be a quality starter in this NFL, it'll come from you being a technician and using your hands because you're not a dynamic athlete. Van Noy, you got to be that kind of guy mechanically to to thrive in the NFL. And Lawson, of course, is who the Dolphins just signed over from Buffalo. Yeah, Van Noy, Lawson, and and Agba. And again, it look, it, it feels like they're building the same way that the Patriots built their defense. You, you get great on the back end. You know, you have Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. That's one of the one of the best corner tandems in the league. They they have some work to do up the middle still, but it, it is the middle of the rebuild. Um but yeah, I mean this this feels like you know I think at this point in the league, if you can build your coverage out first, if you can sort of completely lock that down, that's the way to go. But like we've talked about this. It's just it's tough to because if you are building coverage first, you can't have a hole in your coverage. Whereas if you are going pass rusher, maybe you just get that Khalil Mack, you get that superstar pass rusher, and that guy alone can be a difference maker, even if he's surrounded by mediocrity. You can't really do that on the back end. If you have like one or two superstars and then three kind of mediocre mediocre crummy guys now you have a whole that's that's a great point yeah it's a great it's harder it's harder to hide your weaknesses in the back end than up on the front end for sure that's a that's an excellent point and Miami a big guy for them this year will be Eric Rowe another former Patriot Mm -hmm. he's played he actually played slot corner for them a few years ago he's not that kind of build he's a long-bodied guy if people remember he was brought into the league as an outside corner but he played strong safety for them down the stretch last season and matched up the tight ends if they can get consistency for from him, that'll be a big deal for that. That's a that's a huge deciding piece for that defense. And the other thing is Nick Needham, who was their starting corner and really became their number one guy last year. I think he is really built well for the slot. He didn't do it a whole lot. He did it a little bit in 2019, but his body type, his style of play, his sense for the ball and traffic, I think Needham has a chance to be a really high-level slot defender. And now that Jones is here, you can slide Needham in there full-time and have him just focus on that position. And, uh, I mean, again, they have the three first-round picks here coming up. You figure they'll they'll get a quarterback, and they might get some help elsewhere. They might jump up to get their quarterback. Um, just real quick on the outside of the ball, and we're going to talk about some of the other uh, veteran running backs who, who moved around the league. But uh, I was... I was happy for Jordan Howard. I thought Jordan Howard was going to be like the, the all-time poster boy for running backs who get sort of screwed over by by the current structure of the of the NFL with with rookie deals because he's a guy who has been a, a quality player. 
He's made less than $4 million total in his first four seasons, and I wasn't sure if he was going to get uh, anything significant on the open market this year, but he ends up getting a, a pretty solid deal, almost $5 million guaranteed here for a, for a two-year deal in Miami. And look, he, he's a good—he's he, limited, but he is a good early down back. Absolutely. He is a sustaining back. He's an excellent zone runner inside and outside. And they really they didn't have a sustaining running game at all last season. That was another problem with the Dolphins. And a lot of that was their offensive line. But And I don't mean to pick on the guy. I, I saw this stat the other day because I was going through my Dolphins film notes the other day. And Kalen Balage, his longest run, he had 73 carries on the season, if I recall. 73 or 74. His longest run was 8 yards. And his average yards per carry was 1.8, which is the lowest. He's the only guy ever to have 60-plus carries in average less than 2 yards a carry. And I'm not saying it's all him, but the point is they needed somebody that could sustain a run game for him because they just had no foundational element at all on the ground last season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, let, let's go to the defending champs for the past, uh, I don't know, 70 years or so, and that's the Patriots. Uh, obviously, Tom Brady is no longer there. Uh, the big news is is Brian Hoyer is, is now back in New England. So uh, at the moment, it's Jarrett Stidham, Brian Hoyer, and Cody Kessler on the Patriots depth chart. We don't know a whole lot about Stidham at this point, obviously. I mean, he he was uh, uh, he's a guy who played at Auburn. Uh, there's some physical talent there, good good arm talent, pretty good athlete. Uh, played in kind of a mismatched system there in Auburn, and I think that sort of uh, held him back at the collegiate level. But he's a guy who saw it. I mean, look, my, my memory of his rookie year was when he went in mop-up duty against the Jets, threw a couple of passes the the third or fourth one was a pick six and they yanked him again in what was a uh a lock lopsided game it was one of those luke falk starts and they yanked him and put tom brady back in for the rest of garbage time yep i've only seen it happen one other time i think it was ken wisenhunt in arizona once pulled as a head coach he pulled the starters and then had to put them back in later it's, it's unusual to see that mm-hmm. that's all i know about stidham as well i actually watched that play a couple times the other day again um my guess, Gary, we don't know what Bill Belichick, we technically don't know what he is as a coach without Brady at this point. I mean, I know he coached in Cleveland, but that was a whole other era of football. He's only had Brady as his quarterback in this era of the NFL. I'd be willing to bet with with a pretty large degree of confidence that Belichick's attitude is, give me a guy that runs the designs correctly. I trust Josh McDaniels, our coordinator. I trust our special teams. I think our defense can keep them at 20 points or below. I just want a guy that won't screw it up at quarterback. I can live with that. Give me that guy. The, so the first trait is he doesn't screw it up. The second trait we need is he maybe makes some plays. But first and foremost, I want the guy that doesn't screw it up. I'm willing to bet that's his attitude about the quarterback position. And it's just that's the framework you have to think of going into camp. So a lot of teams might say, oh, it's Stidham's a year ahead. You know, he's, he's the guy you want to develop. Brian Hoyer's, you're not going to get anything long term with him. Unless they are really confident on Stidham's upside, and maybe they are, but if they're not super confident on that, I think this will be a neck-to-neck. If it's just these guys for now, theory, I think it's a neck-to-neck quarterback competition. Yeah. Yeah, I I think you... (laughs) 
I think you might be right, which is, uh, it just seems absurd to say. And look, they, they still have the draft. Obviously, Cody Kessler being on the roster isn't going to preclude them if they get together and, and decide that maybe, maybe they do like Andy Dalton. Maybe they want to see Cam Newton's physical and 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 see if they can bring him in. But um, Well, the, the problem is those are not guys that just, are, they're not guys you can say don't screw it up to. I mean, Dalton will screw it up at times. Dalton, you need to just... Dalton's a hard one because he he has the negative plays. Newton, you don't know what you're getting. I can guarantee you, Belichick doesn't want unpredictability from his passer. And Jameis Winston, it's the same. It's kind of both of those issues. So the more I think about, I don't. I bet New England doesn't really razzle you with who they have at quarterback this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, look, the defense is set up to win a championship, and. Uh... I don't know. I, I I don't know how long the window stays open. I know it's crazy to say that now, and I know it's Belichick, and I know Belichick doesn't ever have bad defenses, but this is a historically great defense potentially. They were last season. Maybe they will continue that again this season, but you know we've seen uh, you know whether it's the uh, the Broncos or or you know even the Bears twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen you know twenty eighteen they they got all those turnovers they didn't in twenty nineteen it just doesn't typically uh, that's not something that typically repeats year to year. The Van Noy loss is a big deal, and so is losing Jamie Collins. Those were yeah. two of their really valuable players because they provided all the versatility up front and versatile defensive fronts. You could argue that's actually the defining trait of New England's defense, more so than the, the lockdown man coverage. I'm not saying that's the case, but I think that's a reasonable discussion you can have. I think this defense is going to take a step back this season, Gary. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got him. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, let's uh, let's quick hit a couple other teams that were that were pretty notable during the first week of free agency. Here, uh, we'll we'll start in Dallas, and we mentioned uh, Byron Jones gone, also Malik Collins, Robert Quinn, Jeff Heath, all uh, all out of there. Uh, they did. Uh, you know, they bring in Gerald McCoy. They bring in HaHa Clinton Dix at safety. Um, I I don't know. This this they're obviously they can't be done at this point. Uh, they they need someone for that right side of the uh, of the uh, defensive line. But uh, uh, the secondary is a little worse off. Uh, I don't know. What what do you think of Gerald McCoy at this point? I think he's can still get north and south through the the b gap for you from time to time i don't i don't think he'll do it every single snap but he's not washed up yet so he he fits if they if they're going to play up front the way they have been playing which again we don't know if they will with mike nolan there but Mm -hmm. let's say they do mccoy fits that one gap four three penetrating type of approach and i think ha ha clinton Dix at safety can also fit what they want to do because mike nolan in his heart of hearts he wants to deploy his safeties as attack weapons he doesn't want to just have a guy sitting back there as a safety blanket securing middle field remember last time we saw mike nolan calling a defense i believe it was in atlanta several years ago and there were plays where he would drop croy beerman their defensive lineman Mm -hmm. all the way back to free safety because he wanted to do these radical aggressive coverage disguises and pressure packages with them so he knew he was rolling the dice when he did that but 
He doesn't view the some coaches like Earl Thomas was a favorite of some of those Seahawks coaches because they want to know that we've got a guy in the back end that's going to prevent us from giving up a play more than 25 yards. The worst case scenario will not happen against us if Earl Thomas is in there. We're not giving up the huge touchdown. Nolan doesn't view the safety position that way. At least he didn't last time we saw him. He says, I don't want to just give up an Earl Thomas to sit back in center field. I want to go make plays with that guy. We'll take our chances. I think Clinton Dix is that you need to be that kind of approach with Clinton Dix because he's not a reliable read and react defender. He's a he's a physical specimen though. And if you can put him on a one path mission, having him go downhill, I think that's the best way to use him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean they they had some they had some big issues up in the middle of that defense late last year. Now getting a healthy Leighton Vanderesh uh maybe correct some of those, but they were struggling just to tackle in some of these uh late season games here um let's stay in the nfc east the defending champs the eagles uh not not you know and not not a huge quantity of guys are bringing in here but they make the trade for darius slay they bring in javon hargrave to uh we would imagine be more of a uh a, a penetrator here in this defense and it seems like that's kind of what the doctor ordered with this defense it's a good defense it's a it's a i mean it's a chance to be a very good defense Derek Barnett's back healthy on the edges. Brandon Graham will probably be here. He'll be here this year. I think they'll cut him after this season for his cap number, but he's here one more year. Fletcher Cox, of course, is still elite. We're back to seeing potentially, because of Hargrave and what he gives you, we're back to seeing a a dynamic four-man rush from Philadelphia. Um, And then I think they have some depth there, too, with Jannard Avery and Josh Sweat on the edges. Malik Jackson will be the interesting piece. If he can give them anything, he'll be gone after this year as well with with Graham for salary purposes. But we just said seven guys there. And if if it all goes well, which is a big if Mm -hmm. in the NFL, but if it all goes well... That's what Seattle. Oh, that's what the Seattle. That's what Philadelphia was built on. Is having a rotation of dynamic one-gap attacking defensive linemen. Let's uh, let's go the NFC North. Uh, a couple of teams with uh, pretty significant changes in the in, in the past week. Now we mentioned the Vikings. Obviously, they they trade Stefan Diggs. They end up getting a, a good haul of picks. It was it was not the DeAndre Hopkins type deal. Uh, but the Vikings they they move on from Linval Joseph, Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes goes to Cincinnati on a big deal. Everson Griffin is, uh, at the time of our taping, not signed, but it sounds like he is uh, definitely not coming back to Minnesota. And uh, they they tagged Anthony Harris, but reports are that they want to trade him because that's the, that's the franchise tag, I guess. Um, they bring in Michael Pierce from Baltimore, but I mean, this is a, this is a, the linebackers are still there. Harrison Smith is still there. Uh, but this is a, a, and Daniel Hunter, I should say, but this is a much looking, a much different looking defense. And that has really been the, the identity of this team for the past couple of seasons. Absolutely. Continuity and veteran awareness on defense have been the defining traits of this whole organization. And now they're they're minus a bunch of guys. I mean, they don't have corners right now. It's it's Mike Hughes. And that's about it. Maybe Holton Hill can be a number two corner, maybe. But they, they need at least two more corners. Remember, Mike Zimmer, two things about him. He One, he prefers to rotate at corner. Two is he doesn't like to play young guys at corner. Yeah. He's going to have to do at least one of those two things. Yep. He's going to have to play somebody young this year. 
Harris will be a big loss if they if they do trade him. They don't have any depth at safety behind him. Their D line they need a couple bodies there as well because you know I like a Fetty Odenigbo at defensive end, but I want someone I want him at defensive tackle in pass situations if I can have my choice. So they need an edge rusher. Those guys aren't cheap in that kind of scheme. They need the type of edge rusher. That can it doesn't have to be an edge. I mean, they have a great one in Hunter. They don't need an elite one per se, but they've got to have a formidable, solid, two hundred eighty-five pound athletic defensive end. Those are not easy to find. Yeah, and and again on the back end, you mentioned lack of depth at safety. If they move on from Harris, Andrew Sandejo, who's sort of been the fallback option there the last couple of years, he is a uh, uh, he is gone. He's in Cleveland now. So, um, boy, a lot of questions. Holton Hill was Holton Hill's interesting because he, he would seem like a schematic fit he's a guy who uh certainly a, a a very good talent at the college level he he fell because of some character concerns so maybe they you know maybe they found something in him but um man you just you look at what they have right now and it's it's it looks like you know fourth week of the preseason type of uh uh type of secondary here well and then on offense they need a couple of guards i think pat elfline needs to at least be challenged in camp, if not replaced. And mm-hmm. um, Drew Samia was their fourth round pick a year ago. I don't know anything about him because he wasn't on the field last year. But th- you know, those are their guards, and it's an outside zone running scheme. That guard position is critical in that kind of a scheme. And then at wide receiver, because of the Diggs trade, they have no depth there at all. They now we don't think about it because they didn't play with. They only had two guys on the field at that position for most of the snaps last year. But as it stands right now, it's Adam Thielen, and that's about it. So it's not just that they need some help. They've got gaping holes on both sides of the ball. Yeah. I mean, they uh, obviously they, they picked up draft picks here. Uh, they'll, they'll have five in the in the top 105 of this draft, and, and two of those are first-rounders. But um, it seems like just a, just a ton of holes here to, to fill in Minnesota. Uh, let's go to Chicago, and, and they, they do it. They, they go and get Nick Foles and – Look, the way this, uh, you know, this this free agency period and and the upcoming uh, summer is going to play out. It seems like a lot of teams are preparing for what would be a shortened, uh, you know, mini camp and and training camp, and there's just not going to be time to get uh, everyone up to speed like there has been in the past. So that's that's maybe why you saw the Panthers go after Teddy Bridgewater, who is, uh, you know, familiar with. Uh, uh, you know, uh, oh my goodness, I'm already blanking on his name. How can I? Oh, already... Joe Brady. Joe Brady. Joe Brady. I, I, yeah. I mean, I know it's a, I know it's a whole new staff there, but that's a, that's a rough start to the uh, the new Panthers uh, coaching staff there. But uh, obviously, this staff, Matt Nagy staff, has some familiarity with with Nick Foles, so they go and get him. He would seem to be a guy who could uh, be assimilated a, a lot more easily than maybe some of the other guys on the market there, but. Uh, how do you size this up at this point, Andy? Because we, we've we talked about Trubisky plenty of the last two seasons. You just don't know where the ball is going to end up when he drops back. Uh, I don't think Nick Foles is the model of consistency here, but is it is it sort of the lesser of two evils? Yeah, it might be. It might be when you put it that way. You could probably do a little more you could run more of your scheme with Foles and with Trubisky, I'm guessing. At least I'm guessing that would be Matt Nagy's perspective on that right now. Um, this will be, be the quarterback competition that's talked about all offs. Every year there's one, it seems like, and this will be the one this year. 
Yeah, I, uh, I, I mean, look, I have, I have said unforgivably mean things about uh, Mitchell Trubisky. You wonder if it will, if the, if the switch will flip at some point. I mean, I do remember Drew Brees two seasons into his career being the worst quarterback in football, and it just sort of, you know, it just sort of clicked for him before that third season. This would be Trubisky's third season in that system. Maybe it's about to click. I, I certainly wouldn't bet on that based on what we've seen so far. But uh, that's the other thing in Chicago. They they don't have the luxury of being patient. That defense is ready to play for a championship right now. And you can't trust that, you know, basically building with 11 guys on that side of the ball. That's not something you can sustain for too long. We, we see it time and time again across the league. And, uh, they got to get that quarterback position right if they're uh, if they're going to play for a championship. Um, the Chargers. Is, I didn't know that Breeze thing. Breeze's QB rating his first year as a starter, which was his second year of his career, was seventy six point nine. He was off. Averaged yeah two hundred five yards passing a game. The next year he regressed one hundred ninety one yards a game at sixty seven point five rating. The the Chargers went two and nine that year. I was I mean it's two thousand three, so I don't remember what happened there. But those were his first couple, and then he kind of picked up and became Drew Brees for the most part, but not, you know. And it was it, it was not a coaching change either. It wasn't the kind of thing where it's like new system came in. It was, it was Cam Cameron those years. If you saw Drew Brees his second season, you would have absolutely said this guy can't play. And, it, and had he been in like a larger market with higher expectations, uh, I mean, who knows how his, how his career would yeah. have played out. I don't think they would have been patient with him. That's an interesting point. So Gary Grambling is declaring Mitchell Trubisky to be the next, next Drew Brees. Brees. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go the complete other way with it now. Let's uh let well let's talk about the Chargers as long as we're there. They uh they they were aggressive here. I and I don't know how I don't know how much people notice the Chargers anymore, but uh, obviously they went after Tom Brady. They didn't come up with him. Uh, they they say they're gonna go with Tyrod. I would imagine they're gonna get one in the draft, and and then we'll see when they make the changeover. But uh, uh, they go and get Chris Harris and Limbaugh Joseph for this defense. All of a sudden, you also got Derwin James coming back healthy. So now you got Chris Harris and Casey Hayward on the back end there with Derwin James, Limbaugh Joseph to sort of uh you know sure up that run defense there. And uh, you know obviously we've said for years they have issues on the offensive line. They traded for Trey Turner, and now they signed Brian Bulaga. I'm not saying those guys are world beaters, but certainly better than they've had up there. And, uh, you know, if, if they if they find the answer at quarterback, this is suddenly a really interesting team. Well, so they've made three notable four, – four, four notable free agent signings. You just kind of ran through them. Turner and Bulaga, mm-hmm. and those are both veteran guys. You plug them in now. They're, they're probably higher-end veteran guys which suggests a win-now mentality. Now, the counter to that would be the Chargers were so snake-bit by poor offensive line play the last few years that they're just overcorrecting, understandably so, overcorrecting with veteran players to get that thing figured out. But then you look at their defense, you know, Linville Joseph was brought in, Chris Harris was brought in, guys in their very late 20s, early 30s, somewhere around there, more win now type of signings. So it, for uh, in all appearances, Gary, this team is is trying to win the AFC West. Everyone's trying to win their division, but they're building the roster accordingly, trying to win right now, except that they don't have the quarterback. If any coach in the NFL were to go with Tyrod Taylor, I could see Anthony Lynn being the guy because I think Lynn really values mobility 
at the quarterback position. And, and Taylor, for all his limitations, he obviously does give you some mobility. And you, you don't have to be Lamar Jackson to make Anthony Lynn happy, but you can do more in your running game with a mobile QB. And I bet you that's something Anthony Lynn is eager to do. So I, I'm not saying they wouldn't take a QB. I certainly would in their position. But if there were any team that I could believe is actually saying the truth and they say Tyrod could be our guy, it probably would be the Chargers. Yeah. You, you do kind of wonder, like, that hypothetical, had they landed Brady? Uh, and then, look, had they landed Brady, maybe they don't chase some of these other guys. But, um, you know, if you have the quarterback and then you can you can sort of fill out that offensive line in the draft, and, you know, I, I hate to be the guy just, like, checking boxes, like, you know, that this is uh, all the answers are right there on paper. But, um it's a really interesting team that they're building there in 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 Los Angeles and new stadium and well we'll, well see if the new stadium's and, ready. Right, yeah, and I, I wouldn't be surprised because of that new stadium. I wouldn't be surprised if this team made a big move to trade up and get a, a splashy name QB. They probably can't get Burrow from Cincinnati. I'm guessing. I, I bet the Bengals would not do that trade, but I think they're going to go for a big name quarterback in the draft. Yeah. Yeah, you could. I mean, look, they're picking six. They could uh, very easily hop up to two or three uh, if they're willing to pay the price. And, and, you know, whether it's Tua or Herbert, they can they can get their guy. Uh, we got to do one. And I, and I would think it'd be Tua, by the way, for that. Yeah. For that conversation. Yeah. Um, we used to when we first started doing the show, Andy, we used to do a, a segment. I can't remember what I titled it, but it was something along the lines of uh, the fantasy dork. And I'd ask you a fantasy related question. But this is this is kind of this segment of the show right here, because I'm going to ask you about the two running backs who uh, are, are not quite what they had been. And let's let's start with Todd Gurley, uh, obviously let go by the Rams signing with the Falcons. Uh, I I. I suppose you would say physical pending with all these guys um but Gurley to Atlanta obviously we know Todd Gurley is not the Todd Gurley of a couple seasons ago but I mean do, do they have a quality starting back here for the Falcons uh, it remains to be seen we'll see I think I think everybody's certainly rooting for that with Gurley he's very well liked he he's a smart studious guy he's a team first type of player and when he's been good, he's been really good. So you, you're rooting for that. You're hoping to see it. Arthritic knee conditions are a hard thing to, to deal with. And it's evident on film that he's not quite the same runner that mm -hmm. he used to be. He doesn't trust his lateral cuts or he doesn't plant his knee the same way he used to. So, uh, you know, I'm not overly optimistic, but I am certainly rooting for him. And, um, and I like that Atlanta is at least rolling the dice on it. And uh, and Melvin Gordon to Denver, kind of a a bigger money investment than than we expected to see. It's it's you know the deal doesn't break the bank here, but it was just kind of surprising because Philip Lindsay's been great there. Uh, Royce Freeman has been a, a good enough sort of number two back there, but uh, it seems like they are bringing in Gordon with the thought of Gordon being. Uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, bell cow back, leader of the committee, whatever it is. Whereas, I mean, Philip Lindsay, I, I, I think is better than Melvin Gordon. <laughs> I don't necessarily disagree with you. I, I think Gordon can t take more of a load, and that means something. But mm -hmm. I, I, Lindsay's a good player. Lindsay is extremely good. And he's not just an outside runner. He looks like it because he's shifty, small, and, and fast and quick and all that stuff. Lindsay can run inside. Remember Warwick Dunn years ago was like that. Yeah. He was little, but he ran really well inside. 
I think Lindsay is, and I don't remember work done detailed enough to know if Lindsay's a comparison, but Lindsay can run the ball inside. So I'm with you on that. I was surprised about the Gordon move, and I was a little surprised at the amount of money he got. I mean, two years, $16 million with Denver, $13.5 million guaranteed. That's more than I would have guessed he would have earned this year. That's a... It's a lot for a running back. I'm glad running backs get paid. I, I, you know, it's it's a it's a tough spot for them, but it's a big investment. Uh, Andy, before we wrap up, let's just hit a couple of the guys who, uh, at the time of our taping on Sunday evening, are still available, and I will just sort of throw them out there, and and you tell me why. Let's let's try and solve these mysteries. Uh, a couple of corners. We'll start with Logan Ryan. I I I can't believe Logan Ryan is still sitting on the open market. I can't either, and I, maybe I don't know if his asking price is too high. Logan Ryan can play the slot. He can play outside. He can do it man. He can do it in zone. He can. He's a great blitzer. He's a willing run defender. He's a smart player. I, Logan Ryan is. Th- there's going to be some team that signs him. It'll probably be for one a one year type of deal, and they're going to get a lot better in a lot of areas in their secondary just by plugging him in. Uh, Jimmy Smith, and and I will admit, I was shocked to see today that Jimmy Smith is is 31. He'll be 32 in July. I was still picturing him as a guy in like his late 20s, but uh, Jimmy mm-hmm. Smith's still sitting out there. Well, Jimmy Smith only likes to play right corner, so he he is almost the opposite of Ryan in that he's just not very versatile. Now he's a good right corner. He's a long bodied guy. But at, you know, when you get to be that age, I didn't realize he was that old either, but. When you're that age, the lack of versatility becomes a little bit of a yeah. problem because teams can go after you. Then it's not like he's going to move to safety and everything's going to be okay. So um, that's probably the deal with Jimmy Smith. I wouldn't be surprised if Baltimore isn't still considering bringing him back either. Um, he also strikes me as every either, some of those guys. I don't know why I'm saying this, but some guys. And he's not an example because remember like Hugh Douglas, he went and signed a big deal in Jacksonville. And I believe he wound up right back in Philadelphia shortly after that. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. Defensive end. Yeah. There's a few guys that have done that. Patrick Chung went to Philly for a year and then was back in New England. Some guys take that one year hiatus in free agency and then just wind up back to the team they were on because they just so perfectly fit that system and culture. Now, no one's going to pay Jimmy Smith big free agent money this year, but I could. I think he's a Raven is what I'm getting at. I okay. think I could see if he leaves, I could see him coming back to Baltimore one day. That's good. That's a compliment. That's that's a good thing to be uh, called. A uh, couple of receivers here. Look, I, I, I get Robbie Anderson has some some baggage in his past, and, and you know maybe that's sort of making people hesitant. I think more than anything with this wide receiver market, you'll, you're seeing the uh, result of the really deep receiver uh, rookie class coming up, and I think a lot of teams are just saying, we'll, we'll roll the dice on those guys. But I don't know. I, I think Robbie Anderson is going to be just a great player for someone and I know the Jets like him so I I, I'm guessing it's just going to be a matter of his price coming down at some point but uh, I was surprised that someone didn't swoop in and get him same here Robbie Anderson I keep waiting okay Robbie Anderson they'll figure him out press coverage will take him away you roll a safety and what's he got left because he doesn't look the part I mean he's skinny as a rail but that guy makes contested catches he gets off the ball well. I don't think he gets out physical as much. I don't think he gets out physical a whole lot. He's a good wide receiver. He's as good as his numbers suggest. So kind of there's another one that's going to be really good value for someone because of what you described with the wide receiver class. 
I could see a team drafting a receiver, signing Anderson to a one-year prove-it deal, and Anderson just throttles the guy in a training camp battle and becomes the number two or number one receiver on that team. And I, uh, Brashad Perriman, I, I thought was, you know, sort of uh, second act late bloomer here. And uh, I'm just kind of bummed out that he's still sitting on the open market because he took that deal in Tampa after he had, uh, you know, he had signed with Cleveland, or I should say agreed to a deal with Cleveland last year. And then when they made the Odell Beckham trade, he basically said, well, I'm not going to play here, so I'd rather go elsewhere. And then he signed the one-year deal and he, he you know, it's a prove-it deal and he sort of did prove it. Uh, oh, second half of the season, yeah. he was like top five productive one of the pri- he, five most productive teams in football speak, that kind of numbers speaking of fantasy dorks like he won some uh fantasy championships for people out there last year and i i don't know i thought he was gonna, gonna get paid somewhere i'm not saying he's a number one receiver but i think he's a quality uh starting receiver especially if you you want that speed element in your offense well and, I mean, and in cleveland the second half of that cleveland season i think it was the second half there was a stretch there in cleveland where he was looking the part as well like oh this is kind of the guy Baltimore was hoping he would mm-hmm. be my problem and maybe this is just it could just completely be me for one it's probably the market that's dictating that he's not signed right now like you said the the, the draft issue and all the receivers available in my mind's eye though if you said what is Brashad Perriman I'm not sure I can give you a great idea I don't think he's quite an X receiver whereas a big bodied win on an island type of guy and I don't see him in my mind's eye as a shifty Z receiver either, mm-hmm. where you move him around and do a lot with him. I'm not obviously he can play. We've seen that. I just and it could be me. It very well could be me. You know, you don't, you don't see everything out of every guy, but I don't know what he is off the top of my head. And uh, Jadavian Clowney, it seems like it's a combination of you know whether you believe the reports that he wants uh, upwards of twenty million annually. I think it's that plus the uh, you know the 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 health concerns and obviously people can't get him in uh for their team doctors to get their hands on him because of the uh because of the pandemic going on right now and it seems like that is sort of conspiring to keep him unsigned to this point charles woodson years ago before he joined green bay he stayed unsigned for a long time i think he went into april as a free agent maybe we can google around while we're while we're thinking of this And, and woodson wound up getting big money with the Packers anyway. So, you know, it's not over for Clowney, but he, he might have to wind up taking a one-year deal and then trying again next year when there's not a coronav- uh, coronavirus going around. Yeah. And then we got, uh, well, we talked about Andy Dalton a little bit earlier and, and, and maybe why the, you know, very limited uh, now number of teams looking for a quarterback w- might not want to might not want to go with him but uh Jameis Winston obviously 30 30 club last year we we know what what he does well and what he doesn't do well but uh you know still a youngish guy I I mean I think he's a fit in like I I, I think he'd be great in Pittsburgh I, I think if the Steelers brought him in and maybe tried to mold him into an heir apparent for Ben uh in two or three years I think that makes some sense but uh he seems like kind of the odd man out here in the quarterback carousel and it's, someone's going to be I mean that's, that's just what what happens I think he, you know he's he, is he one of the 32 best QBs in the NFL yeah probably 
it's the (laughs) for what he is though the negative plays are too impactful at times so he's a guy you plug him in and run your system he's kind of a caretaker and I don't think there's anything wrong with that I know people don't like the term but that's what he is but you can't have a caretaker that then they'll have a three or four interception game every once in a while or will botch a screen pass there's a lot of things that uh, little things that you can't always be sure are going to go completely right there by the way that Woodson deal um, it was in 2006, seven-year contract. April 26th, he signed that, or that's when they reported. So I mean, that's that's around draft time. Yeah, seven years, up to 52 million in Green Bay. I believe he fulfilled all of that. Mm-hmm. That's a at the time that was a really rich deal for a player. So it's happened before. Guys have gotten a mega contract super late in free agency. Yeah, I mean we still got uh, we still got lots of time to go here. Someone can. <laughs> can go blow Logan Ryan or uh, or Robbie Anderson out of the water here with an offer. You can still get those guys. They're great players. They're available. Sign them. It's the end of my rant. Andy, once again, thanks for uh thanks for coming back and joining us. Hopefully we'll uh we'll have you again in future weeks here, but uh I I feel this is just goodbye for now. All right, I'll talk to you when I talk to you. The MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast is me, Gary Gramling. Special thanks once again to Andy Benoit for joining me this week. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Ben Eagle is director of editorial projects and product. Mark Ravick is emeritus editor of the MMQB. Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL Podcast. Keep up with our entire lineup of podcasts five days a week by subscribing to the MMQB NFL Podcast for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, please do us a favor and leave a rating and review. It really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.